Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So who is making bread for the holidays this year? Anybody? If you are, please bring me some because I want to try it. But anyways, I'm actually going to be talking about um, bread toxicity or dough toxicity. So this actually happens when there's that raw dough that you make the bread out of. So most breads have yeast that you put into the raw dough and the yeast is what helps it to rise. But you also need heat in order for that to happen. So typically they'll make the bread dough and then you'll put it into like a proofing drawer or put it in the oven or put it in a warm kitchen because it needs that heat and then other ingredients to be able to make that dough rise. Now, usually what happens is that somebody's made their raw dough and they've put it out on the counter for it to rise. And they typically want it to double. So it's going to be a while, typically like an hour or more for it to rise. And now you go off to go do something else and come back and the pet has eaten the raw dough. This can happen in dogs and cats. It doesn't matter. Both of them can get into it and both of them can have these um, problems that occur. So when that raw dough goes into the stomach, that's like a proofing drawer. So it is warm in that stomach. Like think about how warm the dog is in general. We take his temperature, it's 101, right? Their stomach is probably even a little bit warmer than that because they have all of their internal vital organs will have the most blood supply to them, which means it will be even warmer. So that that dough is now in its own proofing drawer, essentially, and is able to rise inside the stomach. So the dog eats the, the raw dough, goes into the stomach and it starts to expand. So there's a couple things that happen. One, one, we're going to cause a gastric dilation. Maybe not a volvulus and so maybe not twisting, but the stomach is going to become really distended. So the pets can be really uncomfortable. You know, they'll be arching their back probably. A lot of times they'll be trying to vomit because of it. And then Unfortunately, some of these dogs can actually turn into a GDV or a gastric dilation and volvulus. For anybody who doesn't know what that means, that's where the stomach twists. So it usually fills up with something. Typically it's air, but it can be anything, even, even this dough. And then the stomach twists so that the esophagus twists and then the, the small intestines twist as well. And nothing can move through there. That bag of stomach is just like twisted into a knot and nothing can move. You can't vomit. You can't make anything go into the small intestines. And so they can turn into this GDV, especially in the dogs that we are already concerned can potentially have a GDV, uh, like our shepherds and anything that has a really deep chest, Great Danes, things like that. And that's going to cause a lot of the things that we see in GDVs. So they're going to be attempting to vomit. So it's called non-productive retching. So they're attempting to vomit. They're doing the whole abdominal contractions as if they're trying to vomit, but nothing can come up. It's just retching. Or maybe they'll have a little bit of foam that comes up, but really nothing else comes up from there. No food is going to come up. Or no dough is going to come up because literally the, the food pipe or the esophagus is twisted and nothing can come up. Regardless, anytime a person calls in and says, my dog is doing this non-productive retching, they should be seen immediately. Ideally, they know that they had gotten into a raw dough, but even in general, we want them to come down immediately because we are worried that they have this GDV and that it's a life-threatening problem. 
So the second thing that this can cause is it actually produces ethanol. So for anybody who knows what ethanol is, that is alcohol. So essentially they get an alcohol toxicity from the raw bread dough. And now typically people will see at home that they actually look inebriated. Like they look like they're intoxicated. They are wobbly, so they're ataxic. Uh, they become really depressed from it. Uh, they just, they look like they're drunk. And then again, that's another reason they immediately need to come in. Ideally, like I said, ideally they know that they've gotten into that raw bread. And, and if they tell you that, that's a huge, important information that we need to know. But uh, the other differentials for this are going to be that the dog just has a GDV. If we don't know that we had gotten into anything, or maybe we think that it had gotten into some sort of object and it's going to look like it's a, a foreign body. And we're going to treat that a little bit differently if we know it's a foreign body versus if we know it's a, a bread toxicity, which I'll talk about the treatment stuff in just a minute. And then the third thing that we might think about is we actually might worry that it could be an ethylene glycol toxicity, which is the same thing as antifreeze in the car. I'll kind of do antifreeze on another separate occasion because it's a, it's a, it's a doozy. But with these bread dough dogs, how we want to treat them is ideally first decontaminate them. So induce emesis or basically make them vomit. So we want to tell them immediately to come down so that that way we can make them vomit. Even if they've been vomiting at home, we still want them to come down immediately because we, most of the time when you have vomited, you only vomited up about 75% of what's in your stomach, like maximum. So ideally we want them to come down so we can attempt to make them vomit up more. But even so, let's say we can't get them to vomit anymore, especially like cats, you know, like think about how many times we attempt to make cats vomit and it's just like only 50% of the time works because if you make them vomit, uh, you have to give them usually dextomator or xylazine is another medication that we give, but dextomator makes them sleepy, right? So we, when we don't want them to vomit, they tend to vomit. And then when we want them to vomit, they just don't vomit. It's, but that's just a cat, right? Anyways, we want the patient to vomit because if they can get as much up as possible, that is a better prognosis. And that's as long as they're not showing any signs of toxicity. If they're starting to show the ataxia, then we're, we're not going to want to make them vomit. Uh, instead, we're going to put them under anesthesia and then we're going to pass a tube, a stomach tube. So it's a tube that goes from the mouth into the esophagus, into the stomach. So we can put cold water into there. So the reason why is we are actually like thinking about uh, if anybody's made bread, you if you tried to make your bread and proof it in a cold environment, it won't it won't do it. You need that warmth to be able to proof bread. That's why they have a proofing drawer so that you can proof the bread. But if there's coldness on it, it can't rise. So if we put in a tube and we put cold water in there, it's not going to be able to expand. And then hopefully we can also flush water into the stomach to break it up and hopefully get as much of that bread out as possible. And then if we can't, in some situations, it's pretty rare, but in some situations we actually have to go into the stomach and remove it. So doing a gastrotomy to try to get that ball of, of dough out of there. 
And that really just depends like how big it is and how much is left in there after we've done that gastric lavage in the first place. Now, if they're already showing signs, like I said, that, that means we also have this other complication of having to deal with the ethanol toxicity as well. While we have that pet under anesthesia trying to do the surgery or trying to um, decontaminate them. So we want to manage them with IV fluids. Just try to help flush their body out as much as possible. We're giving them serenia so that they stop the vomiting because we don't want them to wake up vomiting because they're going to aspirate when they do that. And then we also need to just correct any other problems. Like typically they'll have a metabolic acidosis, meaning that their bloodstream is really acidic and that makes them really sick. So again, just like giving them fluids to try to help correct that, giving checking to make sure that they're not having any arrhythmias, so an irregular rhythm of the heart. If they are, we're trying to give them medication for that. Keeping them at a normal body temperature because they tend to become hypothermic or low, low body temperature. And usually they do pretty well. Typically these dogs can go home within about 12 to 24 hours, just kind of depending on what's going on with them. There's also the other complication, like I mentioned before, like if this is a GDV, that means we also have to manage the alcohol toxicity and go to surgery on the GDV at the same time. Because unfortunately, both of those things are going to kill the dog and we have to deal with both of them now at the same time. So ideally, we're again doing fluids, we're, we're flushing them with fluids by giving them boluses of fluids. Plus, we're managing the GDV by going to surgery to flip that stomach over. And then we tack it to the body wall. It's called a gastropexy, where we suture the stomach to the wall of the abdomen to keep it into place. And then hopefully, as long as everything goes well, they wake up and like I said, they go home within about 12 to 24 hours after that. And then just randomly, they have actually found that yohimbine has worked in some severely comatose dogs. Yohimbine is something that helps reverse xylazine. And then people always ask, are we going to give charcoal? Do you give charcoal for that? Because I, the clients always think that we give charcoal for everything to help with toxicities. But um, this is not one that we use charcoal for. There's actually a... Um, way that you can kind of remember things that you don't use charcoal for. So anything that ends in like an all, like charcoal, is not going to be something that we give the charcoal for. So ethanol is not going to be one we give charcoal for. The other thing that people may call in about is that their pet might have gotten into like those packets of yeast. If it's just a packet of yeast, we actually don't have to worry about it. Because it's not until you actually mix them with the other ingredients that it becomes an activated yeast and will cause that expansion and will cause the ethanol toxicity. So just getting into the packet of it, not a big deal. So just to sum it up really quickly, so if a pet gets into a raw yeasted dough, that does mean that they need to come in. Typically, the owners are going to see retching, abdominal distension, ataxia, and they need to be brought in, whether they have vomited or not. When we get them brought in, we make them vomit if I if we can, if it's not showing clinical signs. We make them vomit, so we try to get up as much as possible. If not, then we sedate them, we put them under an anesthesia, and we pass an oral gastric tube or that tube that goes from the mouth into the stomach, 
and we flush the stomach out with as much cold water as possible to get that yeast to stop replicating. So we want that yeast product to stop the expansion of the dough. And then trying to flush that stomach out with as much cold water as possible because we're also trying to get as much of that dough out as possible. If we can't get the dough out, then usually it means that we have to go to surgery. Or if the dog ends up getting a GDV where the stomach twists, then we have to go to surgery regardless. Otherwise, we're trying to help them just manage the symptoms of alcohol toxicity by putting them on IV fluids, having them get serenia so that they can't vomit, and then trying to fix anything else that comes up like that metabolic acidosis where their blood becomes really acidic or where we are trying to help them if they're having an, an arrhythmia or an irregular rhythm of the heart. And if everything goes well, they're out of the hospital within 12 to 24 hours. Now, there are definitely dogs that can die from it. And if we don't know that it's a raw yeasted based bread toxicity, that does make things more complicated for us because we might see it as something different than what it truly is. Even when we do x-rays, it might look like a foreign body rather than it being actually a uh, bread toxicity. Or we might see that it has a GDV and shows all the other clinical signs. So we immediately go to surgery, but we don't know that that dog also has ethanol toxicity as well. So like I said, these can unfortunately result in death. And really it's just up to the owners telling us what they're seeing, you guys telling us what, what the owners have said, and hopefully being able to treat it before those symptoms have occurred. All right, so this was a short one, but um, I still think it's a really important one, especially around the holidays now. I'm sure you're going to be getting lots of phone calls about bread toxicities that the owners have left their bread out and their pets have gotten into. So now for story time. So for anybody who knows me, you know that I'm, I like to cook. I am much better at cooking than I am at baking. I attempt to bake, but I'm just not very good at it. The last time I tried to make bread, my wife was Jewish. And so I wanted to make challah bread for her. If anybody knows what challah bread is, it's amazing, but it's like this egg based bread. So I attempted to make this challah bread and she had had a recipe that was given down to her through her family. And I was like, perfect. That's the recipe I'm going to make. So I make this bread. And at one point it says that you need to cut it into threes and that you need to weave it like, like braid it. So I was like, okay. So I just take three take that dough and I cut it into three like slices and roll it out. And then I weaved those three slices together as if you're braiding and to go look it up, but as if I was braiding and then I baked that because that's what I assumed you were supposed to do. That's what it said. And could not get this thing to, to bake. Like by the time the outside was done, the inside was raw. It was terrible. And I, didn't know it because on the outside you just it looked like it was fine and then you caught into it and it was just like raw dough in the middle and then i learned that that's not what the recipe said it actually was that you're supposed to make it into three different portions and then roll those portions out and then braid those portions individually so that there was actually three loaves of dough 
not one giant loaf. Like I couldn't even fit it on the pan. And I was like, I don't know this. I don't know what is wrong with this thing. Apparently I just made too much or I had it proof for too long. No, no. I just didn't know what the directions actually said, which like it just didn't make sense the way it was written. Anyways, I have tried to make bread multiple times. Not very good at it. Like I've, I can do a couple of things like pumpkin bread I've been able to do, but some of these yeasty breads just not very good at. Anyways, I hope all of you guys have great holidays, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever it is. And I really appreciate you guys. Thanks and happy holidays.